Something about that music, every time I listen to it, I just want to kind of start doing the rap. Um, welcome, ladies and gents, film god, podcast listeners, global people. Um, we've got an episode today that I'm so pleased that I was able to do. There are two guests, really. There's the one guest that you, you're coming on to listen to, and then there is the other guest, who is my little baby, that the time of recording hadn't slept well I wanted to give my wife a bit of a line and I thought I could juggle her and record this at the same time it turns out it can't really be done properly but just so much kudos for Sam because you you won't ever see the footage but there are times that I ask a question and I hit mute and <laughs> and she's just climbing on my face and he just doesn't break stride um, so for that I want to say a massive thank you to him it's also just a great great episode with some wonderful lessons um, and I want to give a massive shout out to him and Ollie Murray who when I was running and was thinking about AD and kind of gave me those first few chances so for that I will be eternally grateful so big up big love and wherever you're listening, have a great time, have a great week. Big love. Let's get started. Quality. Quality. <laughs> right, here we go. So, um, ladies and gents, today is a day where we're speaking to the other side of the globe, to the other side of the world, to a man who gave me my start when I was a runner and a little bit disillusioned and didn't know what I wanted to, you know, it was like him and Ollie Murray allowed me the chance to to do some first in and we did promos back to back for i don't know how many years um they were they were fantastic (laughs) (laughs) but they were fantastic learning curves they were a place to kind of find your feet learn your bits and bobs and 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 do it for the love so i'm i'm so grateful that you've that you've come on without you know without me waffling on for too long and waxing lyrical what's your name and what's your role on the call sheet yeah, um, I'm Sam Kennedy, and I'm a producer. Nice. So um, the first question I always like to ask is, what does that role mean to you? <laughs> I don't know. You like it? <laughs> it means, that means so many things depending on the job. I um, You know, it's funny, like often, like a lot of my friends who aren't in the industry always ask me what, what a producer does. And, of course, it's different, you know, a TV producer does something different to a commercial producer or a music video producer. But I always like to say that a producer or even production is like the oracle because you're on board, especially a producer, you're on board from the pitch stage with the director um, and the director is purely focused on creative and really doesn't... The director Neo, is that if, we, if we're in the... Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, exactly. a, he's a slow-mo. <laughs> exactly. But they don't really get into much of the logistics, you know, nor should they. They just focus on the creative. So... As a producer, you have to be across the creative and the logistics. So yeah. you kind of uh, are really like the Oracle. You you know probably more about anything that's going on at any point in time than anyone else. And then you create this little thing called what I call the Bible, which is the call sheet, which hopefully helps give everyone the information that they need, um, you know, so they don't have to ask too many questions on the day. Um, but that's kind of how I explain it to my friends. Or another one, but this is just a bit left the field, is sometimes I say a producer, you're basically like the mother of a hundred children. <laughs> God, 
I've got, I've got two in lockdown, which actually listen, yeah. like I've, I've got one sitting on my lap right now. She doesn't normally wake up this early, but you know, the, the one, as you can hear, the one morning that I'm doing my early morning podcast, she's decided that she wants to get up. So apologies for any kind of <laughs> noises that you got going. I'm not drunk. I've just got a six month old. Uh, but a hundred children, two's enough for me, man. Well, I just, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I'm not trying to say crew are like children, but it's just like every crew member has their own set of challenges that you have to try and, you know, guide them through. Yeah. Some need more money, actually, most probably need more money. Yeah. Um, and you got to kind of help prep them for their first day of school, I guess, which is like going to a shoot. Love it. Now, I always, at some point early on in the podcast, I like to ask, you know, the, the kind of the route in, but I just let's just talk about the kind of the promo days before we get into where, where you know, let's talk about where we first met. So it was yes. one, of, I, I can't even remember the year. It was probably 10, nine, maybe, can't remember. No idea. But, but yeah. how did, you know, th- those promo, those that, that time where you were just back-to-back promos, what did you learn in that time? Do you know, it was, it, it's the best learning ground. Um, well, it was, certainly was for me for producing. I mean, I'm sure it was probably for you for ADing oh, yeah. as yeah. well. Um, because you have a very limited amount of money, like very limited amount of money. I mean, the first music video I did was, which I know it's been talked about on the podcast previously, was for a band called The Horrors. Yep. I'm not a music person, had no idea who they were. And I think we had £4,000. I might have got another £1,000 out of the um, record company. Yeah. And this, and Ollie Murray, who was, uh, you know, who was Legend. a runner at the company I was working at and wanted to direct and was directing this video and he approached me and I was like, yeah, okay, let's give it a go. And there was so many, so much post work on this job. I was thinking about it today and I thought, I've, I, we must have paid the post company, I don't know, 300 pounds and they probably worked on this thing wow. for weeks. That's amazing. Um, but it, you, you learn how to be resourceful um, and I think you also learn one of the biggest lessons for me, which doesn't matter what your budget is, is um, just treat people with respect. Don't be an asshole and yeah, don't nice. take the piss. Yeah. Um, and I know you and I would have conversations about this a lot because you're paying your crew a hundred pounds a day or sometimes even less. And I would be so conscious of the fact that I didn't want you guys working for 18 hours. Like that's not fair. So yeah. we'd try and stick to a 10 or a 12 hour day and we'd make sure you were fed and we'd try and be nice to everyone and try and make sure everyone was having fun and hopefully you come back and want to do it again. Always, man, the two of you. It was like, it became like a little family. It was just like, right, what are we doing next? What are we doing? <laughs> well, it was just one of those things that we got asked to do this horrors promo. The promo blew up and then we had every record label contacting us, wanting us to do videos. And off the back of that, Ollie and I started this little uh, business, you know, when I say little business, it's literally the two of us sitting in my house in London doing back-to-back um, videos. I think some days we would shoot one one day and then one another day. Yes. And it's, and I guess that relentlessness, that opportunity that you created for yourselves to be able to do it day in, day out, you're going to learn more probably in, well, you probably learned more in a month doing that than you would maybe would do as a year, as a, as a, TV commercials producer that might be only doing one or two jobs. A hundred percent, you know, and I think it changes the way you think about things. Like 
Um, look, there's different ways to go up the ranks in this industry, but I think for me it was really great because when I then started to produce content or produce commercials and the budget started to get smaller and smaller, which they still you know, are, unfortunately, I remember one job I did, I got handed a budget that someone else had bid and they were like, look, there's not enough money to shoot on an Alexa, you have to shoot on a 5D. And I was able to look at it and be like, I can get us an Alexa, I can make this budget work. Love and it. I think if I hadn't had that training, I just, we wouldn't have, you know, I wouldn't have been thinking in that way. Yeah, nice. So let's, so now let's get into your story. So um, I guess when we met, you were, you, you know, you, you, you were very much in the world of production, but is that, was that always the dream? Is that where you started? How did you get in? Um, yeah, I, I always knew I wanted to like be in film or moving image or, or whatever it was um even at school i used to instead of doing essays i would ask if i could do a film as as my essay nice. sometimes sometimes yeah, they do as in you in front of camera um oh it depends now often just just like if you know I, i'm trying to think of an example but if we had to do like an english essay based on the american dream i would say can i do it in video form and Sometimes it wouldn't be me, but, you know, this is back in the day when you've got tape-to-tape -tape editing. There's no yeah, Final yeah. Cut Pro or anything yeah, like that. Yeah. Um, and so it was always something I wanted to do. And, and my career advisor um, said, look, what you should do is you should apply for this new course at one of the unis here, which is media and communications. And I thought, yeah, great. So I applied for that. I got the marks. I got in. And it was very theory-based. And week three... Just so, I I know, just to, so we know, whereabouts are we in the world? Uh, we we're, we're in Sydney, Australia. Right. And is this where you went to uni? Is this is this the, the hometown? So sorry, I'm in Melbourne, Australia at the moment, just to confuse everyone a bit more. But but this all <laughs> happened in Sydney, Australia. That's where oh, yeah. I was born and nice. grew up um, and, and went to uni. Um, but um, after about three weeks, I was bored out of three weeks. I was bored out of my brain and I went to the lecture. Why was that? Just, just didn't push you enough? Just... It was so theory based and we were learning about Marxist influence in the, you know, 1900 media wow. press and things like this. That so doesn't sound the most interesting. <laughs> I was so bored and I went to the lecturer and I said, hey, you know, this is all cool and everything, but when do you think I could make a film? And she said, oh, well, in your internship, I guess you could try and get an internship at a film company. And I said, when would that be? And she said, oh, in your fourth year of the degree. Nah, I'm out. That's it. I'm so sorry, guys. <laughs> See you later. So I um I sat my midterm exams or whatever, just so in case I needed to prove that I'd actually, you know, could study and pass exams. And then I left and I applied for a film school and I got into film school and um Which film school did you go to? Was called the Academy of Photogenic Arts International Film School. Oh, how um, does that even fit on a book bite? Like, how do you fit that title on a t-shirt? Biggest wank of a name. <laughs> um, but so actually it's shortened to, um, what was it? Academy of Photogenic, APA is, is what is the shortened version of it. Um, but you know, it was so wonderful because I think we did nine or 10 productions a year. Uh, wow. we specialized. Nice. So I, yeah. So I specialized in producing and directing, but I got to try all these different things. I, I, I think I was a sounder, art department, um, camera operator. Uh, and I actually wish... I was so focused on other directing or producing that I kind of always wanted to try and do those roles, but I wish I'd pushed myself to do, try different things. Like I never DP'd and I wish I, cause it scared me, but I wish yeah, I'd yeah. actually, cause where else can you make mistakes but at film school? No, you're not gonna um, get on a full blown commercial and be like, oh, I've never done this before. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know, put some lights up and let's see what happens. Yeah, exactly, you know, and it was it was awesome. And and we were still, you know, dealing with all the major gear houses and stuff like that. And it was such a great experience. And in my final year, I was producing a film and this casting director I'd found was casting it. And she was like, hey, do you want to come and work for me? And I'd never even considered casting, but it was a job and I was still at film school. So I went and worked for her part time uh, and she got nice. pregnant. Um, and got quite sick so I ended up being the one that had to go into studio and run these sessions um, wow confident about it you know you're a confident man but were you confident back then no and also I mean probably not anymore but I had quite a baby face growing up so I look like I was about 15 you only look 18 (laughs) now look at this guy (laughs) (laughs) but at the time I looked about 15 and I had big Australian actors coming into the casting room and I'm there going, hello, I just need you to do this for me and do that for me. And they're looking at me like, who the hell is this kid? <laughs> but um, you I got actually through learned, it. Yeah, I got through it. And I actually learned another really valuable lesson then, um, which is this whole thing, which I was saying before, is just don't, don't be an asshole. Because often we wouldn't have money for a casting assistant. Um, so I would sign the actors in and then I would go through another door and then they would walk in the studio and I would direct You have it. like a different jacket on. You're like, da-da. <laughs> no. Oh, so you met my brother out the front. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's a double act. But some of them, and this is nothing against actors, some of them were so rude to me because they thought I was just the assistant checking them in. And then they'd come around into studio and their face would drop and they'd Karma. Think, there you oh, go. You're not getting shit. apart. But, you know, it's, it's such a good lesson. Like, just be a nice, decent human being. You never know who you're going to meet along the way. And, you know, even yeah, I was like think, thinking the other day, I, I, I seconded for a first a couple of times on a commercial and he was so horrible to me. And then when I started producing, he was still firsting because he didn't want to direct. And I, his name had come up and I would never employ him because I thought he was so horrible to me on yeah, those no. jobs. Yeah, yeah. Um, so from that, what the good thing that came out of that is I realised I didn't want to be in casting because I wanted to be on set, but I met so many producers. So I just like, when I decided that, I rang all these producers and was like, hey, how do I get on set? And one of them said, come and PA on a job with me. So I went and... just kind of fitted in. It's like, it's the serendipitousness. Serendipitous. It's that kind of, you know, you put yourselves in situation, you know, you very, you quickly knew at university it wasn't working. You then went and moved somewhere else. You then went and that gave you the opportunity somewhere else. It's like, it's those opportunities that come up that you kind of have to take. And did you just take every opportunity that's come your way? Or have you turned down stuff? You said, no, actually, that's not right. Oh, that's a good question. Um, no, I think at the time I, I, I took everything. So the, the casting studio that I was casting this, um, these ads for, um, they then were like, oh, you're good. Can you like come and work for us? So I was freelancing, running the studio, running them, and then running the castings. And then, then I had this woman who accepted me on the first job. It was a dog food commercial. And then I was really lucky. It was one of the most um, successful production companies in Australia at the time. And they were pumping out ad after ad after ad. So I kind of nice, became a good place to work at. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, and you just, you, you just pick up so much on the job. And because... I had that film school training. Um, I immediately knew what people did. Look, don't get me wrong. I, I, anyone who's listening to this, you, there's so many ways about this. You don't have to go to film school. 
for me, it was a great path. I know hundreds of people in the industry that have gone, haven't gone to film school and it's been fine and are hundreds that have and it's worked for them. So everyone kind of goes on their own path. Um, but I think... Would you do it again? Film school? Yeah, would you, you know, looking back now, would you go, yeah, actually that was a good learning curve for me? Yeah, definitely. Because I was able to have that producer say to me, come and PA on this job. And I'd never run before, but I didn't feel I needed to because I knew how a set worked on a much smaller scale. You know, I still remember my first day, there's a hundred crew on the call sheet and, and the production manager said, now go and hand this out to all the crew. And I'm thinking, who the F are all these people? <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of us. Well, there used to be a lot of us. I don't know what film sets are going to look like after COVID, but yeah, God, yeah, right. easily a hundred. Um, but it's that it's one of those things like, I always thought, you know, people used to say it's who you know. And I always thought that meant you got to know Steven Spielberg or you got to know George Lucas. <laughs> could but, people too know? If well, you it would yeah, be no. good. Yeah. What I actually realised is that it's not even about that. It's the more people you know and the more people like you, the more people trust you, the more chance that they're going to call on you before someone else when they're crewing a job. And that's all that saying means, which I didn't understand at first. Um, and, and I think that's what's helped me is through casting, I met producers and the producers knew me so they were happy to take me on board. I didn't really have to sell myself. And then, you know, when I moved to London, I'd spent so much time working in production in Sydney. I mean, I still had a really hard time breaking into the industry in London, um, even though I, I think I produced a few jobs and I was mainly production managing. But did you I have to start again or how did, you, how did it work? What was that move like? Well, yeah, I, I was, um, it was much harder than I thought. I thought it was going to be much easier and I didn't know anyone in production. But again, I was really lucky because people I worked with in Sydney introduced me to people in London and I went and had meetings with people and a lot of them were like, you know, you're just going to have to run until people know who you are and, and what you're about. And I was thinking, oh God, I didn't think this would be like this. I thought I'd be able to, you know, production manage. And then I hassled everyone like crazy and you feel like it's such a horrible thing to have to do and you know being production I had a spreadsheet of everyone that I contacted how I contacted nice. them, the dates I contacted what their response was nice. you know um, I was very like methodic like that but I I hassled this girl called Kate Hitchens who then became a very good friend who is a producer at Lovely. Rogue yeah amazing woman. and it took I think three months before she finally rang me and was like okay, she knew someone I'd worked with in Sydney and she said, you know, I've had a PA on a job. They've had to go somewhere. I can't remember. They had a medical emergency or something. Can you come in? But we can only pay you half your rate. I mean, I would have done it for free. Um, and I jumped on it. And then that was my in. And then once I got in there, a similar thing. They, they were very busy. They kept getting work. Freelance producers would come in and meet me. Freelance producers would then go to Stink or go to Mustard and then call me and say, hey, I've got this job coming up. Are you around? And it just kind of, again, it's, it's that Noble. who you know. Yeah, 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 nice. And, you know, comment. So what, what was the decision? Just talk us through the decision to kind of go, right, I'm, I'm moving. I'm off. I'm out of here. I'm off to London. Because we spoke to Anne Perry, who was the editor, who, you know, she's very close to Ollie and, you know, yourself. And she used to cut a lot of the promos and stuff. She did exactly the same thing. She's like, yeah. right, that's it. I'm done. I'm out. I'm off. I'm off. I'm off to London. 
Uh, I miss her so much and Ollie and you guys. Like we just had such a fun time that period, those couple of years where we were doing all those promos. But it's no, what look, it I, is like we probably earned the least amount of money. We were probably working the most <laughs> that we've ever done. But it was just like, I fucking love it. You know, you probably froze <laughs> tinted glasses, you look back and it's like, oh my God. But actually at the time it was like, I haven't slept in yeah. like two, three days. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, no, uh, for me it wasn't um it was something I always wanted to do. I always wanted to live overseas. Um, and I felt that there were more opportunities um, overseas in, in our industry, which is probably not necessarily true now. But when I look back on it, I think, God, some of the music videos I did um, and the commercials I worked on would never have been that scale in Australia or, or that type of artist because, you know, someone like Kylie or, oh, no, Kylie's different because she's Australian, but say Ellie Goulding, um, who I produced a video for, yeah, yeah. she's not going to be shooting a video in Australia unless there's a really specific reason for that happening. So yeah. you kind of, music videos in Australia, you know, you kind of you end up kind of producing videos for people off Australian Idol or something, which is not necessarily bad. They're huge in the charts here. But I just felt in terms of, access like being able to pitch on a show or cold music video and things like that you, you just didn't get to do in Australia and and I wanted a change I was you know I was ready to go and you know I don't know what do they say you become a man or something <laughs> find yourself dear boy yeah you're exactly. finding yourself yeah it's like, okay cool never lost myself but then so you just it was like it was ready for a change you come over did you know anyone in London at all did you just stay at mate's house or how does that work what's that process like I had about four friends in London. Um, I was actually, I moved to Paris first. Uh, I had a bit of a sabbatical. Love that. Um, nice. And then I met some people in Paris who were moving to London and I couldn't, my visa, had visa problems in Paris and I found out my grandmother was English and I could easily get a UK ancestry visa. So it just seemed mm-hmm. the right thing to do. Um, so I actually moved in with them and yeah, yeah knew, knew no one. And it, the majority, I would say 90 95% even more of all my friends from the UK who I, I miss and love are all from production. Yeah. Well, but once you're in it, and I've spoken to someone else about it, but it's like you spend, you know, seven, eight o'clock in the morning till eight, nine o'clock at night working. And then, you, you know, you're in Soho, or whatever. It's like, should you grab a quick beer? And it's like, there's eight till 10. You go back home, you're back in the office at seven. They become, you see them more than your loved ones. You see them more. Yeah. Than, and it's the same for us on set. You're like, I probably, when I'm busy, spend more time with my ADs and my runners than I, than I ever would, than I ever do with my family. And that's, yeah. that becomes the important, they become really strong relationships. And even moving forward, do you like, do you still touch base with people back now here? You yeah, know, we're, we're obviously touching base, but you know, do you just hit people up randomly? Just like, oh my God, I miss you. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, hit show Kate, who gave me my first job, um, she's now, you know, doing huge things in LA in post-production. And I went and stayed with her when I was in LA a couple of years ago. And, and an, another girl from Rogue, who was an EP there, she got married in South Africa. I'm actually a celebrant. So I went over to South Africa and we all kind of oh, met you. and married her. Yeah. So that Where was fun. That? It was kind of like a Rogue reunion. Um, oh, that must've been maybe two three years ago now nice. um philippa allen um and you know so yeah like we're all all kind of still in touch um and obviously see on like yeah episode like one episode one of the film gods yeah the two of you i love it 
Um, so yeah, but it, yeah, I mean, and then I guess from the from doing the promos, I met again who you know. I I we did a few videos for Sony, and one of the head commissioners there is a girl called Claire Stubbs. She left Sony and got a job as the head of music videos at Partizan, and then asked me to come and produce videos for some of her directors at Partizan. Nice. Um, and then through that, people at Partizan got to know me, and then the MD, this role opened up, which was kind of like her assistant, but her second set of eyes, but also producing and budgeting jobs and helping with pictures. It was a bit of everything, oh. um, you know, working out. a title for you. Well, I, I think it kind of existed. Mm. Um, and I think someone, uh, there was another girl in the job before me and she had a kid or I can't remember the whole scenario. So, so then, you know, then I got this job at Partizan and was there for, I think, three years and then, uh, and then I moved home. But again, it's, it's that who you know, like yeah. they're going to employ me over, if I'm qualified, over someone else because they know me and everyone else is just someone's name on a piece of paper. And sometimes even they might even take a punt on you even if someone did come in that was another year or two a little bit more qualified, yeah, they might exactly. be like, yeah, but we know him and we know he can do, you know, even if you haven't, even if you hadn't done the role, they'd be like, yeah, well, we, we trust him, we know him, you know, so you're going to get more of an opportunity from being put in those situations. Now, have you ever, was there ever a time where you kind of were like, oh, I wish I had been a director, I wish I had been an actor, or was it just production has always been the thing and you've just kind of cracked on with it? No, I like, I actually think about that a lot. <laughs> times like um, now you're like, I wish I was a massive superstar A-lister. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't that be good? Um, no, I mean, I, look, I, I love production. Um, yeah, it's just funny, isn't it? Like, it's just how my path went, you know, but I was really lucky, like working with someone like Ollie, you know, like when you respect each other and they respect you creatively, you then become what I would call a creative producer, you know, where they actually, they, yeah, you're nice. their sounding board. Yeah, for bounce creative. ideas and do that yeah. stuff. Yeah, nice. And, and I mean, Ollie, I was laughing today thinking about one of the jobs we did. I remember suggesting a shot and he was like, well, you go and do it. And he let me direct the shot. <laughs> and at first That's I thought, amazing. Oh, I was like, have I overstepped the line here? I think maybe he's really pissed off. Like, all right, Dan, you direct it. But he was actually genuinely like, yeah, yeah. no, don't. But, you I know? couldn't see Ollie. I couldn't see Ollie being that angry about no, stuff. No, He'd just no, be exactly. like, I mean, he probably was just thinking, I might go and have a cup of tea. I think whilst he's <laughs> doing that, or I'll shoot but another that, promo in that time. <laughs> that's why I loved, you know, I love working with him for, for for that reason. And we did another a short documentary called Treasure, which did really well, and that was yeah, you nice. know quite collaborative too between Annie and Ollie and me, and and even mm. Jim Jolliffe who, who DP'd it. Love that man. Um, Biggest hands in showbiz, oh, yeah. I think. I think it's a. I think it's a, <laughs> a fact. I think people, it's it's a Guinness record. Just those Definitely. massive fingers. I love them. Yeah. So yeah. But a learning curve. It's it's been enjoyable. Like lightning bolt moments. Was there ever a point that you're like, yes, this is it. I'm in the right place, and I'm, you know, content, short film, commercials, feature for you know, this is where I'm at. This is my thing. I think um, there's yes, just the first day I was ever on set and every time I'm on set, I love that. Like that feeling, like, you know, just to sound really corny, but that movie magic. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what nerves, I love. The, the, yeah. yeah. Amazing. You know, that you're on, you, you're at Black Island and you're inside a, a mansion that someone's built, but it's a set. 
I just love that. You know, for me, that always feels right. But I also think as a kid, my my dream was to work in LA. So to go and shoot that video um, with Ellie uh, Goulding in LA, like that was when I was like, that this it? is cool. That was it. This is cool, yeah. Now, have you ever have you ever done any stuff in front of the camera or is it always just been behind the camera kind of stuff? No, no, I dabbled. Um, I dabbled in a bit of presenting. Um, yeah, I actually did some stuff in the UK, some some videos for some educational company they wanted an Aussie um and uh, did, you put on, also, did you like thicken up the accent a little bit more so it's just like there you go you know I'm proper Australian yeah of course yeah. of course um god everyone every office I was in in London actually used to just rip pieces out of me like g'day mate xenophobes yeah that's <laughs> classic you know Brit. when I think about it it actually makes you stand out yeah yeah because you're that Aussie kid yeah, yeah. Well, I'm um, the Japanese chick. So every time someone sees my name on a call sheet, they go, oh, we've got a Japanese chick in today. Like she's, this is amazing. And then I turn up and they're like, uh, hold on. You're like, who's that? Curly-headed Spanish dude. What's going on here? I love that. Yeah, USB, man. So, yeah, I did a bit of presenting and, and I'm, I've been a voice artist um, since I was like eight. So I oh, do wow, voice early. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know how that started, but I, someone, I don't know. But I've been doing voiceovers, yeah, forever. So I had an agent in London and an agent here. Um, but that's, yeah, and then, and then producing, I guess. And I kind of, it's not, you know, film God specific, but what are you doing now in Australia? Is there, is there stuff that you, have you got side hustles? Have you got thing? What, what's, what's happening at the minute for you? Yeah. So um, actually, when I moved home from London, I stopped for a week in Singapore and went up with a friend of mine who owns a food and wine PR company. It's probably arguably one of the best in, um, in Australia. And nice. she had this idea um, that there was a niche, you know, or a gap in the market for a food podcast in Australia. And she was like, is this something that you think you Amazing. could do? And you know what? I think that's the best thing about production. Like, I don't want to say, you know, you feel invincible, but you have to overcome so many things in production that you kind of feel like you can do anything. I mean, obviously you can't be a yeah. doctor or a dentist, you know. No, no um, heart surgery, but, you know, organisation, <laughs> damn straight. But you don't get scared. Just like, well, I've never done a podcast, but, yeah, okay, I, I can work this out, you know. Um, and so we sat down and came up with an idea with, with a, a, another girl who's the host of the show and... Um, it was just one of those things that we worked on. We thought it was cool. We didn't know how it was going to go. And we launched and it became the number one food podcast in Australia. Get in. This guy. Yeah. Like from Ellie Gould into number one podcast. Like, is there just anything that you can't do? What is it? That you no, can't, just, I, look, that's a shorter I, list, isn't it? It's not me. I mean, that's just a fluke. Do you know what I mean? That That is just a fluke. But, um, but yeah, we were really shocked by that. So that's kind of been my side hustle uh, since I've been back in Oz, which again is still using production skills, but in a different sense and also much yeah. more creative. You know, I would yeah. imagine that this is more like a TV producer, whereas where, like, yes, I'm doing all the logistics and the call sheets, but I'm also with the girls, my business partners, coming up with the creative for each show. And, nice. and we, we do it, you know, I, I probably, probably reached a bit too far, but that's just, the way my head works but 
you know, we record on, we do multiple locations in each episode and we have a chef that takes us to places that they like to eat in their neighbourhood and, and we, you know, we get a proper sounder and we, you know, we do it proper. There's some big, there's some big chefs in there as well, man. Like, yeah. you know, it's not just Bob down at the fish and chip shop. It's, it's, it's some nice stuff. So just give, quickly, just give a shout out. What, what's the name of the podcast? Uh, it's called The Pass. There it is. Go check yes. it out, ladies and gents. So we've, we've kind of quickly touched base on how you got in and, and what it is that you do. But in all of those scenarios, has there ever been moments that you're like, that's just, how has that happened? Or, you know, you know you've been in like in those little weird scenarios that you're like, this would only have happened, if, you know, that, because I'm in this world. Ah, oh, yeah. Look, I mean, there's so, everyone's got funny set stories, you know. I mean, we, we did a, a job for MTV in Australia and we had a huge, huge rapper from America come out who was just stoned the whole shoot to the point that we couldn't even, you'd open the trailer door like a movie and smoke would just roll out. Chong. We couldn't, you know, we couldn't even get them on set. So we were going hours and hours into overtime. And, and this, this rapper was obsessed with fried chicken. And it became very clear to us after about three hours into the first day that the runner was never on set because he was off getting fried chicken. So we had to get another oh. runner in who became the fried chicken runner that literally just got fried chicken for for four days on this shoot. Um, Feels like you gotta like get the fried chicken. Just put it, just put it by his mark on set, and you're like, oh, the, the chicken's yes. on set. Here you go. Dangle, <laughs> Dangle that with the two yeah. bikini on a fishing wire, and you're just yeah. as he goes down to pick it up, you put it like the pound note, and you just another little foot step forward. Yeah, and then that. um, uh, look um. My first job in London actually was for a huge, very well-known chocolate company and it was a set field at Black Island and we had to build this huge kind of like lab that this amazing chocolate bar was being made in. And, you know, in pre-production, all the elements looked amazing. It looked fantastic. They did such a good job. We had a, an amazing, you know, art department and, and props house and special effects people all working on it. But when we got there on the day, and this machine was pumping out this chocolate. It just looked like giant turds. <laughs> oh, and, no. and everyone was throwing anything they could at, you know, the art department's coming out and spraying it. Maybe that'll make it look like chocolate, but that just made it look like a shiny turd. <laughs> and then, like, let's break it down. But that just looked like a broken down turd. And we just couldn't get it right. And in the end, you know, we ended up doing certain camera angles and the way it was edited and all the rest of it. And, it turned out fine, but it's just one of those things that happen when you're on set. You got to think on your feet. You got to be thinking. It's like yeah. that, and, and and you kind of, you know, you saying when you were kind of starting off in that production and being able to look at a, a budget and find where you can fit the Alexa in. They're also the kind of tools that you've got to be doing on set. It's like you can't, you cannot just accept failure. It's just not acceptable, is it? You've just got to keep finding solutions. You don't have time and you don't have money. You can't just go, right, everyone, um, tools down. We're going to come back tomorrow at 8 a.m. while we work out this problem. No, no, no. That's hundreds of thousands of pounds. Yeah. you got. You just got to keep moving it forward. Um, I, I love This is the point where she's now starting to feel like she's going to fall asleep <laughs> on me. Um, I love it. I, I just love the fact that you're just, you're, you're, you're engaging. Like, so, listeners, 
I'm here and I'm trying to like wrestle this six month on. And Sam is just, he's unfazed. It's like he's live on camera. He just doesn't care. The director's. <laughs> Listen, how, how many times, weren't we saying this before? How many times have we worked with kids and animals? We know what it's like. I'm You've never, just got I think power on. This, this is this is the the reality check that actually early morning pre you know seven o'clock podcast with a baby. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah no, they, <laughs> maybe there's a different way of doing it. Um, looks good. Yeah, it looks funny. God, listeners, <laughs> if I if I was to release the video of this, it's it's you know it's as you it's what you imagine <laughs> having a six month old that's restless on a chair looks like um but let's yeah. let's talk about let's let's get back to you and let's let's have a little chat to you to your past self there's always a question that i like to ask and it's like well what advice would you give to your younger self so what would that be you know i don't know if it's necessarily my younger self but i think me coming up the ranks is especially with producing, which I had to learn, I was so fixed on there was only one way to do something. And when I was starting out and trying to budget jobs and things like that, and I'd be like, you know, thinking about producers I work with, like Hit Show, you know, well, how would she have done it? And then thinking, oh, is this how she would have done it? I don't know if I've done this right. And what I learned is that, you know, as long as you're following all the rules and regulations, there's no right way. You've got to work out the right way for you and for your crew and for your team. And if you're delivering yes. that product at the end of the day, that's all that matters. And you can, you know, and we would do it at Partisan. Sometimes a job in the bidding stage would be passed through three producers and each producer would bid it in a different way. But no right one way is wrong or right. It's just how they would do it, you know. And, and I think if I understood that sooner, I would have had not as much pressure on myself to feel like I was trying to do something the right way. So maybe the advice from my younger self was just to believe in myself a bit earlier on. Oh, love that. Believe in yourself. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's going to be one of your quotes there. That's it. You've already nailed it. That's the t-shirt. That's the t-shirt slogan. I love it. Um, now look, we kind of, it feels like we're getting close to the 40, 45 minute mark. Yeah. And I always just first, they always want to say thank you to the guests to, to coming on and telling your story because Again, it, it just shows another side of the hustle, um, you know, up in and leaving your home, your, you know, the country that you live in to, to progress, I think is amazing. Um, and I want to thank you for your time. So I just always, always want to give the floor to you to, to, you know, any shout outs, anyone that you want to thank, anything that you want to bring to people's attention. This is your, this is your time. Um, do you know, I just think like, making film, making commercials, music videos, you, like we were saying before, you're part of such a huge, almost dysfunctional family in a way and you spend more time with these people than you do your own family. And I, I just want to, like, thank anyone that ever gave me the opportunity that, you know, took a chance on me and everyone in, you know, my London production family and even my Aussie production family and everyone that I, I've worked with, like, you got to have fun. If you're not having fun on the job, what's the point, you know? And there's very few jobs where I really I thought, oh, this is, this is not good, you know? Um, and it's the people that make it. At the end of the day, it's, it's about human relations and communicating with each other to, to work towards a common goal. So uh, my big thing would just be to, yeah, it's, it's just to thank everyone, I guess. Shout out to London. Shout out to Australia. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> Don't even bother. Don't even bother. It's like, there's just so many people and there's probably so many situations that you've been in that you'd love to thank people. And that, that love, we feel it. 
you know, we're thinking yeah. of you every day. Don't worry about it. We kind of see you on the Instagram with your six pack going, <laughs> I wish I was that guy. I wish I was that guy. Oh, I doubt it. A dream. <laughs> I doubt it. But, you know, it's funny. I mean, this is kind of off topic. I know we've got to finish up, but I was laughing this morning because I was thinking about when I first started off and how technology has changed the way we do things. I mean, nowadays, you know, someone, a location guy goes out, takes photos, you get a file uploaded on your computer and you share that with agency clients, directors, whatever. When I started out showing how old I am, we would have a hard copy folder delivered with photos of locations printed out on wow. sheets of paper that you would then have to flick through and you'd only have one copy, like one folder, and then that would have to be shared with the director. And so the process would take so much longer too. And it's just, when I think about it, it's amazing how much times have changed. It probably means we're working a bit harder because, you know, everyone's got access to these things all the time now. But it was just, I was just laughing when I thought back about how production used to be and how it is now. It's changed a lot. You know, yeah. I was chatting to someone and they were like, we used to get our call sheets sent to us in the post. Uh, yes. You know, the, we, we had to be so set and have everything planned yeah. so far and in advance. It, it, you know, postal. And sometimes it's like, how many days does it take to send a letter? Two, yeah. three, and then first it, and then it pro- Yes. <laughs> no, and then it progressed to fax. So then yeah. we'd have to you know, do call times and make sure that everyone was faxed a copy of the call sheet because email didn't really exist at that time. It's just bizarre. And obviously, you know, everyone used to shoot on film. That's just what you did. Yeah. 35, the rushes run. doesn't happen anymore. just doesn't happen. Well, it might might have a resurgence and there's features that are shooting on 35 still, but, you know, everything's now just hard drives and there you go. It's like the production manager just staying behind now. Instead of the runners waiting for the... The clapper loaded to have finished up bagging and boxing and noting yeah. it up. It's now like, okay, bye. The production yeah. manager's there for another hour waiting for the DIT. Yeah, it's changed a it. lot. Like what? So I guess, you know, fortune telling time, where are we going? What's the plan? Oh, who knows? You know, and the market is now saturated with the internet and online content and Instagram and, you know, Twitter, which I mean, it's not, Twitter's not big here, but in, in America it's huge and like YouTube and, you know, that's 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 Content. one thing which is Digital. great yeah. because anyone can pick up, you know, a phone and shoot something on it. But then also it means that we've got a saturated market. So who knows? Love it. I've, I've got a real, like, virtual reality. You know, artificial mm. intelligence, virtual reality, they're the two little, you know, AI, VR. It's like there might come a point that actually film crews are just sitting at home. They have a designated room in their house that's, you know, three meters by three meters all green screened out with you know multiple cameras so you can pretend like you're and you're just looking around and everyone's just virtually at a film set that's all and it's all yeah. just being made by a computer and it's not you know it's like that's this is uh, scary it's like what god i love the interaction that's the beautiful thing for me about film sets is the interaction it's the meeting of people it's the it's the physical aspect of going on a journey together you know, that's 100%, it. 100%. But that's also, you know, when you're, you're crewing, obviously you have your crew you work with, but you like to work with them because, you know, they're fun. Like, you know, would I rather have Tony Crouch on playback than someone I don't know? Of course, because you know you're going to have a good time. You know you're going to get the job done. You know you're going to have a laugh. And when you're on set for 16, 17 hours a day for four or five days in a row, you still want to have fun. And I think the minute it stops that's becoming it, that's important. Fun, walk away. 
Same. Well, uh, talking of walking away, this, the other one's just arrived. It's now family time. Do you want to say anything, Santi? Do you want to say anything? Yeah. What are you? I'm proud of myself. What are you? I'm proud of myself. There he is. He's proud of himself. I'm proud of you guys. I love this. Right. I love that. Ladies and gents, what an amazing chat. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for everything that you're doing. It's turning into a family affair. So I'm going to love you and leave you all, but let's just give Sam a big round of applause. Come on, Sandy, give him a round of applause. Um, yeah. Clap, clap. Bloody yeah. She's going to make her clap. I'm going to make myself clap. We love you all. Thank you so much for listening, ladies and gents. And until we meet again. Love you. That is a wrap. So that was a chat with the king or queen in the game. I'll give it a shout at the end so you all know the name. It's the Film Gods Podcast. The what? The Film God Podcast.